morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 a.m. Central Daylight Time, and thank God, thank God, on November the 3rd, that thing will be done even if for only four months before we have to get right back into daylight savings time. Um, Yeah, that abomination is hated by many. And I've just discovered, for whatever reason, that even Marty Bent hates daylight savings time. So I'm not crazy. Thank God. I was like, there's more than one, at least more than one person that hates this thing. It is, I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Hell, even Arizona doesn't have it. Yeah, if you didn't know that, Arizona does not have uh, daylight savings time. They also don't celebrate Martin Luther King Day either, but be that as it may, at least from the standpoint of, you know, not screwing up your circadian rhythms and, and doing God knows what kind of damage to your mind because of this time change. Um, at least the Arizonans, at least they at least they get it, right? <clears throat> And there's a couple of other countries in the world that also don't go along with this nonsense. And it is absolute nonsense. It's, it, and it only used to last for six months, and now it lasts for eight months. Ask yourself why. The whole thing supposedly came about because we were at war and it was a way to save, I don't know, energy and other things. It was also had something to do with the fact that nobody had lights at baseball parks. That's right. America's favorite pastime back then. It's not anymore, but it was back then. The only way that you were going to see baseball played is during the day. So that was one of the reasons that they did it. In either event, I think it's stupid. Glad to see other people think it's stupid. But on this day, the day before Halloween, October the 30th, 2019, I hand you episode 157 of Bitcoin and there's a fight. Yeah, there's another fight. Guess who the contenders are? Eh, samurai and wasabi. They're at it again. Oh, God, guys, stop. This doesn't do anybody any good at all, ever, period. Period, 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 period. Stop fighting. Because all the fight is doing is instigating fights in the community. Stop doing it. I got people that I follow that are pissed that this is going on, and they're taking sides again it's ridiculous. You guys are both supposed to be on the same damn side. Stop screwing around. Wasabi, stop screwing around. Samurai, stop screwing around. I don't care who instigated it. I don't care what the beef is. Stop it. Get your shit straight. Get your house in order. Stop it. Now, let's get in on this thread from Balaji. Balajis at B-A-L-A-J-I-S. I love this guy. Um, even though he he will every once in a while engage in a little bit of shit coinery. 
Um, he's got a tweet storm out that is kind of interesting. This came out yesterday, October the 29th, sometime around three o'clock in the afternoon. Bitcoin will become the flag of technology. Not every flag represents a geographical entity. Some of them represent movements like the rainbow flag or the Gadsden flag. Bitcoin becomes a flag in this sense as the encoding of technology's values, internationalist, capitalist, decentralized. A flag is something to align around. Bitcoin is many people's first choice and many people's second choice, which means it will become the community's first choice. The closest analogy is Linux. Google and Facebook are tough competitors, but cooperate on Linux. That's because it's a demilitarized zone where one party cannot deprive the other of their contributions. Bitcoin serves a similar role. All can profit from it. None can corrupt it. Tech will align behind Bitcoin as part of the political realignment of the 2020s. Not traditional left versus right, but rather land versus cloud, state versus network, centralized versus decentralized, nationalist slash socialist versus international capitalist, Hamilton versus, versus Satoshi, modern monetary theory versus BTC. The most important swing vote in the world is the pro-crypto tech Democrat. Oh, God, eh, whatever. <laughs> right now, the economic and social incentives for this group force demonetization, deplatforming, and censorship. But over the long term, they favor monetizable, international, uncensorable systems. And he's got one more after that, but it's sort of like a it's something that I'm, I'm not going to play. It's a Bitcoin. This the the Bitcoin rap battle, Hamilton versus Satoshi. Um, and you know, we if you haven't heard that, go just just uh, Google Bitcoin rap battle, Hamilton versus Satoshi. You'll you'll find it. You'll find it. And you can play it for yourself. Um, the only reason I'm the reason I'm groaning here is dem, at, at the word Democrat is because I kind of thought or not thought, but I'm getting used to more, more and more people coming up to me going, dude, both sides are screwed. They, they both suck. I mean, when you get right down to it, both of the political parties in the United States, at least, uh, clearly there's more than that, but at least in the United States where I have to deal with this crap every two years, no, not because we're having a presidential election every two years, because we have to have representatives sit down for yet an election every two years. And every six years, we do it for senators. And then every four years, we do it for presidents. So at any given time, you're in election season every two years in this country, which probably is the reason why most people are batshit crazy here. All right, that's going to do it for community news. Let's get right on into the regular news. Velad Costia is writing for Bitcoin Magazine. CoinKite publishes everything you need to build your own cold card wallet. Dude, Novak, rocking it. In a blog post, po- oh, I'm sorry, hold on, hold on, let me get a timestamp. Timestamps are important. This was yesterday, 2019. In a blog post published on October the 25th, 2019, CoinKite released all of the information needed for users to build their own versions of its hardware wallet, the cold card. The post contains the complete circuit diagram of the device accompanied by a list of off-the-shelf parts that can be purchased to start the DIY project. The firmware of the cold card wallet has always been open source as a way of guaranteeing both transparency and potential for future improvements via community feedback. 
Uh, we quote, uh, sorry, quote, we encourage advanced users to make a unit themselves and publish their findings. It's one of the best methods to verify our code slash hardware. CoinKite CEO Rodolfo Novak told Bitcoin Magazine, gotta love Rodolfo, man. The decision to release the uh, veritable instruction manual for building a cold card from scratch marks a major shift in the field of hardware wallet research and development. However, it also generates risks from a financial point of view. Previously, Trezor used the same approach with the one hardware wallet, publishing the complete development kit with step-by-step instructions. Consequently, manufacturers from across across the world created new products on the backbone of the original, even cold card borrowed software elements from the Trezor GitHub. But in Novak's view, the decision to publish the circuit boards and required parts is not detrimental to business for two reasons. First, security researchers could already figure out the design thanks to cold card simplicity. And secondly, DIY enthusiasts don't get the same economics of scale for parts pricing, which could mean that producing a cold card by yourself can cost more than producing one from CoinKite. Yes, it will cost you more. Yes, that is going to happen. Not could, it will cost more because you also have to factor in your time. And even if you didn't, you're going to pay more for the parts. Continuing. Furthermore, he pointed to the power of branding and the trust regular users have in CoinKite as a Bitcoin security company. Quote, people buy trust. They trust our security expertise, supply chain control, design, setup, and all that comes with that. Novak said. The hardware schematic and bill of materials are clearly aimed at enthusiasts who can do soldering on an electronic board and are able to follow complex instructions for building and wiring hardware. So it's unlikely that regular users will build their own cold card wallets rather than buy them from the manufacturer. Nonetheless, more advanced users or more advanced users from parts of the world where Bitcoin is criminalized can simply follow the instructions and improve their asset security. It's also possible for business-minded engineers to produce hardware wallets and sell them in places where CoinKite doesn't ship or faces restrictions. Also for Novak, the whole process is a true test of security and good engineering since open sourcing is a bona fide act of issuing a challenge for security experts. Quote, it is great to see the level of interest for cold card, he said, as the security level of other competing projects was a frustration for, oh, not projects, competing products was a frustration for me. The turn of events also proved to me that the market is just as frustrated and willing to look into improved devices. We are happy that we can make Bitcoin security available for everyone. So, bam, dropping the schemas on us, man. That's, again... Rodolfo's the man. If you haven't heard any uh, any of the uh, interviews that he's done, you got to because the dude is he's not only is he interesting, he's funny and he is always laughing and he's always happy. It's always like a bright spot in my day whenever I hear Rodolfo Novak talk about pretty much anything. Now Nicholas Day's talking backed to launch crypto consumer app in first half of 2020. He's writing for CoinDesk the day before yesterday on October the 28th. Backed plans to launch a consumer-facing app to help retail customers transact with cryptocurrencies, the company announced on Monday. In a blog post, back chief product officer Mike Blandina wrote that the company was working on developing an app to let consumers use digital assets when purchasing goods from merchants. Quote, we'll be launching a consumer app to make it easy for consumers to discover and unlock the value of digital assets as well 
as ways in which they can transact or track them. Merchants gain access to the broader set of customers with expanded spending power, Blandina wrote. He hinted that the app might support more than just Bitcoin. Don't. Just freaking don't. Which is currently the only digital asset backed in its parent company, Intercontinental Exchange, provide futures contracts for. Quote, a key feature in the model we've designed is to support a superset, oh God, superset of digital assets, including cryptocurrencies as seamlessly as investors transact in stocks in a retail brokerage outfit, he wrote. Our vision is to provide a consumer platform for managing a digital asset portfolio, whether they wish to store, transact, trade, or transfer their assets, end quote. When ICE first announced Backed in August of 2018, the company said it was partnering with Starbucks and other companies to provide retail experience. But few details of this part of the vision have been shared since. Monday's announcement said Starbucks will be Back's first launch partner, of course, first launch partner when the app goes live sometime in the first half of 2020. Quote, I have strong conviction that by driving more integration and efficiency across digital wallets, transaction processing and payments acceptance, there are meaningful opportunities for merchants and consumers to seamlessly interact using digital assets in ways that have not previously been considered, Blandina wrote, adding... Quote, it is often said that digital assets will be successful when consumers don't have to think about the technology underlying them. Oh, so that's it for that. Um, so backed is probably going to end up in the realm of shit coinery, and we're just going to have to deal with that. Like I said, guys, shit coins are probably never going to go away. And I, I, we've seen them get the living snot just kicked out of them so many times and they just don't die and i don't want to compare it to bitcoin but i think we have to be i think we have to be realistic in the fact that there are more stupid people in the world than there are non-stupid people in the world and because of it and i hate to say it but here's the statement that i'm going to start making it's stupidity that gives shit coins their value again for posterity in my view, it is sheer stupidity that gives shitcoins their value. The future of cryptocurrencies in the UK hangs on FCA's decision. This is Sertanshu Shina. Wow, that's a cool name. Writing for Cointelegraph yesterday, since the days of the British Empire, the United Kingdom has been one of the world's largest and most influential economic powerhouses. Oh, really? Even though its financial control over the world has substantially decreased, the country is still one of the most culturally relevant regions in the world, especially when it comes to the adoption of a trend. A survey by London-based firm Law, Michelle Morris, LLP, revealed that 20% of affluent millennials in the United Kingdom have invested in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Yeah, because of sheer stupidity. Keeping this in mind, when the UK's Financial Conduct Authority, or the FCA, proposed a crypto ban, it caught the attention of the entire crypto ecosystem. God, the, the ban. Got to put the ban hammer on it. <clears throat> Up until now, the UK hasn't made any specific crypto-focused law, and its regulators have had a fairly lenient approach to cryptos. Although the country has no explicit cryptocurrency legislation, cryptocurrencies are not deemed legal tender, while exchanges have registration requirements and need to be registered with the FCA, whose guidance stresses that in Entities engaging in crypto-related activities falling under the existing financial regulations for derivatives require authorization. The gains and losses from cryptos are subject to capital gains tax and income tax. The UK Tax Authority, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, 
has specified that buying and selling cryptos will be considered the same as gambling. And <laughs> why not? I, I consider it gambling. And the individual will be subject to capital gains tax. However, if an individual is engaged in trading of these assets, income tax would take priority over capital gains tax. HMRC even requested, that's Her Majesty's Revenue, whatever, even requested that cryptocurrency exchanges hand over the names of their customers and transactions, aiming to identify, here we go, you know, you know what's coming, aiming to identify cases of tax evasion, but the UK's anti-money laundering laws don't, doesn't mention crypto specifically. However, this will change by January 2020. Actually, specifically January 10th, 2020, with the impending implementation of the UK's fifth money laundering directive, talking to Cointelegraph about the, the current regulatory situation in the UK, Eric Ben, CEO of the exchange Changely, said that the regulatory framework is attempting to keep up with the emerging market, adding, quote, I do think regulation is a good thing. Yeah, it's because you're a bootlicker, but only if done in a way which suits this new market. Applying traditional archaic regulation to crypto simply will not work as it's been designed in its nature to avoid regulation. There has been a much better understanding of the market and technology on behalf of governments, not just in the UK, but globally. I disagree. On August the 24th, the National Liberal Party wrote a post on its website asserting that the UK's current cryptocurrency strategy is non-existent and affirmed that the government has declined to take a position on regulation. Back in July 2018, the FCA warned that cryptos pose a huge risk, huge risk, to consumers who are generally misinformed about them, which is, for me, that's like 98%, and recommend that the products such as derivatives and exchange-traded notes that reference crypto assets were, quote, ill-suited, end quote, to small investors. Suki Julta, co-founder, uh, or that's going to be Jutla, co-founder of the UK-based blockchain platform Market Orders said, quote, the proposed ban will be seen as a major blow and a backward step for innovation in the crypto asset space. It will also signal that despite the UK being the leaders in the fintech scene, they will have effectively been be compromising on this position. This move by the FCA follows on from a public commitment to abide by the crypto asset task force top final report even though the report recognizes that cryptos can facilitate cheaper and more efficient transactions through the elimination of intermediaries, the majority of the report portrays cryptos in a negative light, of course. In the report, the FCA mentions that it wants to mitigate the risk of consumer consumers and market integrity and prevent the use of crypto assets for, you guessed it, illicit activity, because they got nothing else to throw at it. Following the report, UK regulators ramped up their investigations on cryptos. As a matter of fact, crypto investigations in 2019 surged 74% in comparison to 2018. Yeah, first, they laugh at you, then they investigate you, and then they investigate you more. Continuing, the FCA reported that crypto investors in the UK lost over 34 million due to the cryptocurrency forex or cryptocurrency and forex scams from 2018 to 2019. Many, including Changely's Benz, believe that the consequences of the proposed ban would clearly make the situation even worse since crypto will always find a way around the regulations. That's right, because it's, it's made out of oil or slippery as. Quote, the decision to not have crypto investment products, I feel, is not the right decision 
But instead, the FCA should be looking to see how best to create a regulatory framework for these businesses in the quote. In an open letter to the on their website on September the 23rd, UK-based digital asset management firm CoinShare claimed that the FCA has not provided enough evidence to justify the proposed ban on exchange-traded notes. It urged its customers to support them in fighting these proposals by submitting a response. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it goes on a little bit longer, but you get the gist, right? So here's here's what this basically boils down to. Any country in the world that is not going to put their best foot forward on this entire industry is going to be left behind at speeds that are blinding. If you are a, any kind of regulatory dude, and you work for a regulatory agency in any country you're in, and you're not hammering it home to your bosses that this will help destroy your country or at least put your country in a situation where you are continuously mitigated by the rest of the world because that's what will happen, then, I don't know, expect to turn into a third-world shithole. That's just me saying it. Cointelegraph's William Suberg is writing sometime last night, Russia, government official expects to mine 20% of the world's Bitcoin. Yeah, that that um, uh, that headline is problematic because there's only 14% left. <laughs> um, I'm thinking that the headline probably should have read that government officials expect to mine 20% on a day-over-day basis of what's left of the world's Bitcoin, but God, that would just be a horrible, horrible mouthful. A Bitcoin mining company owned by Russia's internet ombudsman, damn, is planning to open a new facility and corner 20% of the international market. Okay, see, this is still this is still wrong. 20% of what remains of the international market. That's what it should say. As local financial news outlet RBC reported on, on October the 29th, Russian mining company RMC, <laughs> not very... Not very fun. Oh, well. Plans to repurpose a metal factory in the country's northern province of Karelia. Closed due to U.S. sanctions in 2018, the ex-Russell facility could soon host a Bitcoin mining farm so large it could account for one-fifth of global output. Quote, our idea consists of converting the factory and selling its computing power as a service, that is to say offering IT services, the ombudsman CEO Dmitry Marinchev told RBC. Marinchev steered RBC through a $43 million initial coin offering in 2017, a sale that remains Russia's largest. Despite his links to the Russian government, Marichev has come out critical of some policy, particularly aspects involving the Internet. The Kremlin's attempt to block instant messaging service Telegram, for example, earned scorn. Efforts so far have been in vain as Telegram still remains accessible, while efforts could soon shift to the release of the company's own digital currency, of course. Quote, it is impossible to block it, block it by blacklisting IP addresses. That way, the battle will go on endlessly, even if you consider that Telegram's client part is open source software, whose inner workings can be analyzed and comprehended, he said in an interview in May of last year. As Cointelegraph reported, competition in Bitcoin mining has heated up once again in 2019. Despite the mixed performance of Bitcoin itself, hash rate, or the combined computing power dedicated to mining, continues to hit all-time highs. Bitmain, one of the industry's major mining participants last week, announced that it would look to make a new facility in Texas the most powerful worldwide in the coming years. 
Competitor Canaan Creative, meanwhile, filed for a $400 million initial public offering this week. Mining continues, whether you like it or not. Startup aims to list Bitcoin product on Frankfurt and Luxembourg exchanges. This is Aaron Wood's Cointelegraph writing sometime last night. A German startup is attempting to list Bitcoin BTC derivative product on the Frankfurt and Luxembourg stock exchanges. According to German business news daily Handelsblatt on October the 29th, the startup Iconic hmm, has filed a prospectus for regulated trading of a Bitcoin exchange traded note or ETN which could become available as soon as the beginning of December 2019. Iconic said that it will issue an ETN that will offer investors exposure to the seminal cryptocurrency on a regulated marketplace. The ETN will also be issued on its own international securities identification number. Hans Blatt states that while Iconic is banked in, uh, based in Frankfurt, the ETN will be regulated by Luxembourg's finance watchdog, the Luxembourg Financial Supervisory Authority. The startup will directly invest collected funds into Bitcoin, which will be purchased by major United States-based cryptocurrency exchange, oh God, Conbase. While Conbase is headquartered in the United States, it has expanded rapidly into other jurisdictions, including Europe, over the last year. ETNs are considered by some to be a soft version of another financial product, the exchange-traded fund. While an ETF is a security that tracks an index of funds, a commodity, or a basket of assets, ETNs are backed by its issuers. The eventual introduction of a cryptocurrency ETF is often regarded as a signal that the market has matured as it will offer major institutional investors exposure to crypto assets. Investors have met crypto ETNs with less enthusiasm than a possible ETF. Some experts see Bitcoin ETNs as a vanguard for other financial products involving the asset. The head of the blockchain center of the Frankfurt School of Finance and Management, Philip Sanders, said, quote, Iconic has convinced both regulators at Deutsche Börse the, uh, the listing of their Bitcoin product on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange is a remarkable step. A true Bitcoin ETF Europe is thus a significant step closer. Probably meant, say, a true Bitcoin ETF in Europe is thus a significant step closer. Regulators, meanwhile, are skeptical of both crypto ETNs and ETFs. Earlier this month, the United States Securities and Exchange Commission rejected an application by Bitwise to list a Bitcoin ETF on NYSE ARCA in the United Kingdom. The Financial Conduct Authority, or the FCA, is mulling a ban on cryptocurrency ETNs, as we just heard. CoinShares, a British public exchange, recently published a letter on its website urging its customers to fight the proposed ban. Well, duh, you need to do that. Okay, this one, oh God, this one isn't directly about Bitcoin and it's going to piss at least one person off, but we're going to read it anyway. Australia wants to use face recognition for porn age verification. This is Ars Technica's Tommy, or sorry, Tommy, Timothy B. Lee writing on Monday. Lawmakers in Australia, like their counterparts in the United Kingdom, are looking for an effective way to limit kids' access to online pornography. Australia's Department of Home Affairs has a possible solution, face recognition technology. Quote, Home Affairs is developing a face verification service which matches a person's photo against images used on one of their evidence of identity documents. I have never heard that term used before. Makes sense, but whatever. To help verify their identity. Uh, the government agency wrote in a recent regulatory filing, this could assist in age verification 
For example, by preventing a minor from using their parents' driver's license to circumvent age verification controls, Australia's government face-matching system has been years in the making. In 2016, the government announced that, in the words of CNET, the first phase of its new biometric face verification service is up and running, giving a number of government departments and the Australian Federal Police the ability to share and match digital photos of faces. I'm stopping there because there's no reason to go on. In Australia, apparently if you want to watch some porn, you're going to have to let them scan your face. And I guess that means taking a picture of yourself on the phone and, or pay, taking a picture of your face on your phone and it has to be matched. This is, porn's bad, I get it. But this shit, it's like, oh, well, that's good. That we, Yeah, porn bad. Kid watching porn bad. Yes, we all agree. And that's exactly how they get us to go along with this draconian crap. I say no. What, because I want kids to watch porn? Hell no. No, I don't. But it's going to end badly. It's going to be end up, well, you let us scan your face to if you wanted to watch porn. Well, that's fine. I never wanted to watch porn. But now you want me to scan my face before I go into a grocery store? Because that's what's coming. It's going to come. If you don't fight it now, it's going to be impossible to fight later. Stephen Wuru is writing for Bitcoin Magazine, Why African Countries Lead in Bitcoin Searches and What It Means for Adoption. This was on Monday. And this is a kind of a long one, so strap in. But it's important because in my view, one of my working theories is the West and people in the West, and when I mean West, I mean wealthy countries. So that also includes something in the, some things in the Middle East and the East. Essentially, what I'm saying is that first world countries that are not under like absolute awful draconian rule will not be the usage drivers for Bitcoin. It will end up being third world countries and first world and second world countries that are on their way to becoming third world countries again, like Argentina. Argentina itself is not a third world country, although it does have some some elements of that. However, what they've just gone through with capital controls being put in place where they can only buy $200 worth of, of United States dollars instead of 10000 a month, some it, things are going to go bad. Brazil's in the same – is it going to be in the same boat? Clearly, El Salvador, Ecuador, Venezuela, stuff like that, at that point, you're getting into third worldness. Many African countries are in the same boat. Okay, so it won't be rich people that have a visa card driving the adoption. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that have no freaking hope, but do have a $200 smartphone that they can actually text Bitcoin around through each other. And that's happening. Let's see what Stephen Waru has to say. If you've been in the Bitcoin space for long enough, you've probably heard that Africa will be the next frontier of adoption. This assumption may be proving to be a reality after Binance Research reported a surge in Google Google search heat rankings for Bitcoin in Nigeria and South Africa. According to the Google Trends, or according to Google Trends, Nigeria had the highest searches for Bitcoin, while with South Africa coming in second and Ghana taking fourth place over the past year. 
This shift in search trends has generated widespread discussion within the cryptocurrency community. Some enthusiasts have argued that the increase in Bitcoin searches illustrates increased adoption, while others point out that this marks an increase in interest, but not as proven adoption. I agree with that sentence. There have been some who have gone ahead and argue that the rise in search volumes illustrates an augmented use of Bitcoin in scams, of course, because you need to scare people. To learn more, Bitcoin Magazine spoke to Marcus or Marius Reitz from cryptocurrency exchange and wallet provider Luno and Stephanie Zhu from African cryptocurrency liquidity provider BitPesa about why African countries are now leading in Bitcoin searches and what this means for Bitcoin adoption on the continent. So Bitcoin Magazine, we will refer to them as BM, which is an unfortunate, unfortunate shortening. If you guys grew, any of you guys that grew up in America and were kids, you'll know why. Bitcoin Magazine, or BM, asked, why do you think that Nigeria, South Africa, and Ghana are now among the leaders in Bitcoin searches while other African countries still seem to lag behind? REITs answers... Our recent Future of Money report, which surveyed the opinions of consumers from across the world, including Nigeria and South Africa, suggested that consumers in developing countries are financially savvy out of necessity. According to the report, 55% of Nigerians between the ages of 18 and 35 did not feel secure about their financial situation. When money is more than just a nice-to-have and is vital for securing what you want from life, you spend more time understanding it, managing it, preserving it, and being creative with how you maximize the use of it. For many consumers in these markets, if cryptocurrencies can provide a secure, legal, and cheaper means of exchanging value than the existing system, it will be used or at least explored. This explains why consumers from these markets are more interested in cryptocurrencies than consumers anywhere else. However, central banks in other African countries like Burundi and Uganda have recently taken hostile stances against cryptocurrencies, which could explain the lower number of searches in these countries. BM asks, does the increase in Bitcoin searches in these countries indicate increased Bitcoin adoption? REITs answers, at Luno, we've seen steady growth in the number of new accounts or wallets this year, especially in South Africa. Although cryptocurrencies have recently experienced a price drop, an average of 90 million rand is traded daily, which speaks to growing levels of adoption. Consumers need to feel comfortable that they're dealing with a safe asset, which is why education on cryptocurrencies is essential. Cryptocurrency firms should take a an open approach to working with governments on regulation to help drive adoption. Zoo answers this way. The increase in Bitcoin searches is not a proxy for adoption. This surge in Bitcoin searches in African countries may be an indication of the increased need for information and knowledge on BTC. As has been experienced in other continents, the number of searches goes down once enough people have enough knowledge. Yeah, that, I'm going to agree with that. BM asks, critics have argued that this increase in Bitcoin searches in Nigeria and Ghana is a result of scammers searching for new opportunities to earn Bitcoin illegally. Do you think that the rise in Bitcoin searches may be connected to increased use of BTC in scams? REITs answers, one of the biggest misconceptions about Bitcoin is that criminals mostly use it. It's important to note that you can trace Bitcoin back to its original users and track their entire history of activity. Luno is committed to detecting and preventing any or money laundering and terrorist financing. Oh, God, it's so old. To support this, Luno has robust systems and controls in place to mitigate the risk of and protect anyone against using 
the Luno platform for illicit activity. Using these systems and controls and our integration with in industry-leading blockchain analysis tools such as Chainalysis and Ecliptic or Elliptic, we can identify, analyze, and report suspicious activity rapidly and proactively. Luno uses this information to meet its obligations to report any illegal activity, ultimately assisting the relevant authorities to investigate and take swift action. Chainalysis recently enabled law enforcement in the United States, the UK, Germany, South Korea to take down one of the largest child abuse material sites. Yeah, we heard about that. Okay, whatever. Law enforcement in 38 countries made 330 plus arrests of alleged pedophiles and rescued 23 children from abusive situations. Thanks to international law enforcement cooperation and help from cryptocurrency exchanges, society is a safer place. As much as you have consumers using Bitcoin for legitimate means, some use it for the wrong reasons. However, as more data becomes available, it's becoming clear that these instances are a tiny fraction of the user base. And that's because Bitcoin is turning out to be one of the safest ways to use money. Zoo answers the same question. Such generalization is wrong. Just because there are a few bad apples in the basket, it doesn't mean you should discard the full fruit basket, whether it's in the U.S., China, or Europe. There are people using Bitcoin for scams and to finance illegal activities. However, that does not mean that it's the only use for Bitcoin. The same goes for Nigeria, Ghana, South Africa. Although there are a few characters who are looking for get-rich-quick get rich schemes, most of the people are using Bitcoin for legal purposes. BitPesa has also been actively fighting the use of Bitcoin scams and illegal activities. We have previously distanced ourselves from any website or organization that was using Bitcoin as a get-rich-quick scheme. BM asks, Nigeria, Ghana, and South Africa have high unemployment rates. Do you think that the high search results could be a result of these unemployed individuals searching for a way to earn? If so, why don't other African countries such as Zimbabwe and Kenya appear on this list despite their high unemployment rates? Reitz answers, when you consider that the current financial system was created 75 years ago and has seen very little change in that time, it is easy to see why many people are asking for change and exploring the various avenues to deliver said change. For example, in many countries across Africa, traditional ways of exchanging value are costly and can be highly inefficient. As a result, doing business can be unnecessarily stressful and out of reach for many. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin offer a new way to trade as well as tangible opportunities to transform economies and deliver real change. People and businesses in these markets should not have to pay extortionate exchange fees, accept national devaluation, or lose out when directly transferring money. Access to a more inclusive financial system will enable new and better ways of exchanging value. Cryptocurrencies can play a significant role here. Zoo answers the same question, yes and no. The unemployment rates in these countries have played a role in influencing Bitcoin searches. In recent years, African countries, including Nigeria and Ghana, have seen a surge in freelancers offering their services to Western clients. As these Africans look to become part of the gig economy, they are bound to search for alternative payment methods. However, it's important to remember that these online workers are a minority of the population. The majority of the population still relies on offline jobs. In countries such as Zimbabwe, the government has taken a tough stance on cryptocurrencies, which has deterred many Zimbabweans from using Bitcoin. BM asks this question, as a company that activate, ah, sorry, as a company, what activates, 
good Lord. I'm sorry, guys. What activities are you undertaking to promote Bitcoin use in Africa? Do you think these activities have played a role in influencing this increase in Bitcoin searches? Wright's answer is that as a company that aims to educate people about the world of cryptocurrencies, we are pleased with the work we are doing around cryptocurrency literacy. He is being very careful not to, to say Bitcoin. So I hate to say this, Wright's is a shitcoiner. Continuing, we do a lot of work around education, providing clarity on many commonly held views that don't accurately reflect cryptocurrencies. In Nigeria, for example, we are about to wrap up this year's university tour, which builds an understanding of cryptocurrencies among students. We also hold quarterly meetups that provide a platform for existing cryptocurrency traders, buyers, and users to learn and share ideas on the evolving trends in the market. As early pioneers in this industry, we feel we have to share our knowledge and excitement with the world. It's about ensuring this happens across the board for consumers, the media, and broader stakeholders. Zoo answers the same question. BitPesa is mainly a business-to-business company. Our interaction is primarily with businesses and not the final consumer. However, BitPesa has been doing events with business owners where we educate them on the benefits of using Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies for payments. So there you go. Uh, Lots of education going on in Africa. That is good. Not excited about rights or REITs being the cryptocurrency using word using guy that he is, but yeah, it is what it is. So there you go. Uh, adoption is going to start happening in, in Africa. And that's that that's this is good for Orange Coin. Orange Coin good. Number go up. Bitcoin fixes this. Right, let's finish this off with a couple about China. David Pan is writing for Coindesk. Uh, when did he write this? Yesterday. China announces new regulatory authority to certify digital payments, blockchain products. Respect my certifiability. China's central bank, the People's Bank of China, will certify 11 types of financial technology, hardware, and software that are widely used for digital payments and blockchain services with this new verification system called Certification of Fintech Products, or CFP. The central bank released the first list of fintech products that could be used on in both front-end and back-end development for digital payment services, according to filings dated October the 26th from the bank. The new regulatory system comes at a time when China is accelerating the development of new financial infrastructure, including a digital version of its currency and a push by President Xi Jinping to capitalize on blockchain technology. The central bank envisions the national digital currency boosting the digital payment industry, touting its own coin securities or own coins security features and offline transaction ability as superior to commercial products offered by China's Alipay and WeChat Pay. With 11 fintech products currently on the central bank's list. The certification system covers all the products that could be involved in digital payment technologies, including point-of-sale mobile terminals, embedded application software, user front-end software, and security carriers and chips. The central bank will grant applications applicants a certification of fintech product if their products pass the prototype examination and on-check sites or on-site checks. The certificate will be reviewed and renewed every three years, according to the bank. Oh, God, it's a shakedown every three years. Related authorities would conduct random inspections on any step of the production process to ensure compliance. While the certificate is valid, institutions will be allowed to stamp the certifica on their logo. On their logo, certifica. I've never heard that before. Maybe a typo. 
will be allowed to stamp the certificate on their logo. However, the certification cannot be used to directly promote a product or for advertising. One of the very specific items included in the list of 11 products is trusted execution environments, a technology that can assist in the establishment of a consortium blockchain network and verifying blockchain transactions in financial transaction use cases, according to the filing. The U.S. internet giant Microsoft filed for two patents in August of 2018 to use similar types of technologies to improve the security and capacity of its blockchain services offering. Moving on to China, yet more China news, and this is it for the day. Chinese state-owned media tried to dampen markets' crypto enthusiasm. This is Daniel Kuhn writing sometime yesterday. Chinese state-owned media are attempting to quell the rush into crypto stocks following President Xi's statement to, quote, seize the opportunity afforded by blockchain. Yeah, seize this, honkus. State-backed agencies are publishing material meant to encourage rational investments amid the surge in speculation in blockchain and fintech firms, Reuters reported Tuesday. On Monday, over 100 public fintech firms or companies tied or tangentially related to blockchain soared in price at market opening as sentiment around the sector turned bullish. But perhaps, uh, what? Okay, this is interesting, but perhaps too much so. Okay, I'm sorry, I had dyslexia. I thought it said too so much. Sorry, that's my fault. That's that. Don't worry about me. Blockchain's future is here, but we must remain rational, wrote the state-backed People's Daily newspaper late Monday night. Echoing a statement espoused by China's Central Television this weekend, the newspaper continued, quote, the rise of blockchain technology was accompanied by that of cryptocurrencies. Oh, God. But innovation in blockchain technology does not mean we should speculate in virtual currencies. Reuters also reported that the independent Shanghai Stock Exchange warned traders, quote, for any blockchain-related topics, we ask listed companies to make statements based on facts and not make any exaggerated claims or create vicious hype. Well, then why do you, is your certif- your registry guys actually listing EOS at the top as the top cryptocurrency? You literally just described 100% of EOS. Let's read that one again. For any blockchain-related topics, we ask listed companies to make statements based on facts and not make exaggerated claims or create vicious hype. EOS, I'm looking at you, shitcoin. While there has been much hype, the enthusiasm followed by news of 500-plus specific enterprise blockchain projects already in motion in China and registered over the past year. Crypto frenzy spurred by Xi was not limited to China. This morning, the Antigua and Barbuda-based derivatives exchange FTX announced an index fund comprised of eight China-related cryptocurrencies. So... China. China. Okay, my question about this is the state comes out through the mouthpiece of Xi Jinping. Yes, I know. He's the premier and the president, head honcho. I'm still going to call him a mouthpiece. Starts saying stuff about crypto and how they're going to seize the opportunity and then turn right the hell around and tell all their other mouthpieces to put a damper on what he said. Think about that. I don't know what the hell's going on in China, but I don't trust him. I don't, I don't I'm sorry, man. I don't trust him. Here's the other thing. This echoes something I was saying earlier. 
any country in the world that is not going to put their best foot forward in this industry is going to be left behind so fast it's going to make everybody's head spin. We will probably end up with, I think we're at like, I don't know, let's say we have 230 countries in the world. And let's say 30 of them basically say, screw blockchain. And that could be like third world crap holes, second world countries, or first world countries, including the United States. And those 30 don't put their best foot forward. Those 30 are going to be history. This is not going to stop. You got the premier of China. Yes, mouthpiece, but still. The premier of China saying this stuff, it causes frenzy to the point that they got to put a damper on it. Guess what? This isn't going away. But what is going away is the morning roundup because that's it for the day. Vitals. We've uh, we got another little drop. Bitcoin is at nine thousand one hundred and thirty-two, so we've shed quite a bit off of that ten thousand mark where we bumped. Uh, we have let's see, where's our low? Lows looks looking to be at X rates at nine thousand one hundred and nine dollars. It looks like our high is going to be at Bit Asset, which I've never heard of X rates, and I've never heard of Bit Asset. Looks like Bit Asset is trading Bitcoin at two at nine thousand two hundred and fifteen. So again, spreads are limited. Wow, we have, are having a low transaction time, or not time, but we have low transactions. We have only three hundred and sixteen transactions done over the three hundred sixteen thousand over the last twenty four hours, with thirteen thousand transactions on average per hour. Oh, that's not okay. So that's not so bad. Um, Oh, wow, this is interesting. We have 2 million BTC being cha- changing hands in the last 24 hours. That's double of what I've been seeing lately. I've been seeing anywhere between 800,000 and 1.2 million, maybe 1.3 million. This is a full 2 million Bitcoin. Now, let me put that into words that people that are not Bitcoiners can readily understand. In 24 hours on the BTC blockchain, billion have been traded hands. Wow. 84,000 BTC are being sent on average per hour, and 6.39 BTC uh, are being uh, transacted on average per transaction. The median transaction value is 0.032 BTC, or right around 300 bucks, which is where I like to see it. Uh, Block time is a little high at 10 minutes and 30 seconds. We have 0.25 BTC being taken on a per block basis in fees and 35 BTC being taken in fees uh, over the last 24 hours. The hash rate is still below 90 exahashes per second, representing a 3.5% drop. We are at 89.3 exahashes per second. And the last uh, commit to the GitHub repository, uh, or the code rather, was some for Bitcoin code, was sometime yesterday. Ethereum at 182. Bcash with a surge up to 289. Litecoin at 58. BSV at 134. Ethereum Classic at almost 5. Dogecoin is at 0.0027. 41,000 transactions were made on Doge over the last 24 hours, which rivals Ethereum Classic's 50, stomps all over Litecoin's 21,000, 
And getting to arrive or, or starting to rival Bcash's 50,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, Mempool is, oh, wow, Mempool is light. We are, oh, we are real light. We've got, we've got three almost empty blocks that have been produced over the last 30 minutes. Whoa, that's interesting. I've got blocks that are, I'm looking at, this is mempool.space. I'm looking at a block that was produced nine minutes ago, then another one that was produced seven minutes ago, and another one that was produced four minutes ago. So you may want to disregard the uh, uh, bitinfocharts.com saying that we had 10-minute, 35-second blocks, okay? Like I said, if you look at, when you're looking at at different places for information, sometimes they, they... conflict with each other. And this conflicts with 10 minute and 35 second block time. So keep that in mind. Also, there are only 1300 unconfirmed transactions in the mempool and we are only one block deep in said mempool. So we have entered into a situation where there's not a damn thing going on on Bitcoin blockchain. Hey, that's fine by me, man. That literally, that's totally fine by me. Um, we have one ml.com looking at the lightning network, which is the second layer network built atop Bitcoin. We have an increase in the number of nodes. We are almost at 10,300 at 10,299 representing a 2.6% increase in number of nodes on a month over month basis. Uh, network capacity is up by 1%. We have 827 Bitcoins chilling out in toto on the network. New nodes have increased over the last 24 hours by 83%. So we have 11 new nodes. And the number of channels in over the last 24 periods that are now wearing diapers and sucking on a bottle is 114, which represents a 25% increase on a day-over-day basis in the amount of channels on the Lightning Network. That's going to do it for Vital Statistics. All right, song of the day is from Journey. And by Journey, I mean old Journey. And by old Journey, I do not mean pre-Steve Perry when Greg Rowley, one of the original co-founders with Neil Sean, the guitar player of uh, Journey, was the only, well, the, the lead vocalist. They brought Steve Perry in later. And it was when Steve Perry came in that they went to the moon, literally, as far as popularity, record sales, uh, the amount of sold out shows, the length of their tours, the amount of merch sold. My God almighty, it was all about Steve Perry. You could not get away from the guy. And why not? One of the absolute best voices in rock and roll, one of the best songwriters, and also one of the best song co-writers that the industry of rock and roll has ever seen. This is a live version of my favorite I'm going to say it. It's my favorite Journey song ever. And no, it ain't the damn song that ended the Sopranos series. So have a stone. Be loved. Those crazy nights I do remember in my youth. I do recall. Oh, oh, oh. In the heat, 
Today's Daily Trainwreck is brought to you by serious BS going on with Bitmain. So I guess Bitmain's bringing you today's Daily Trainwreck? I don't know. But let's just, let's kick off the sound effect with, I have come to save this ship. That's right, people. Jihan Wu to the rescue. Oh, God. Bitmain is in, apparently in such dire straits that Jihan Wu has come back. Let's see how this occurs. William Suberg is writing for Cointelegraph. Bitmain CEO ousts co-founder and biggest shareholder to, quote, save the ship. Oh, God. This is just horrible. Okay, here we go. Altcoin, Bitcoin Cash, BCH, has surged 10% in the last 24 hours after it emerged that mining giant and major supporter Bitmain had fired a senior executive. In a translation of an email from October the 29th, quoted by crypto news outlet Coindesk, Bitmain co-founder Jihan Wu said that fellow co-founder McCree Ketchuan Zhan had left the company, quote, Bitmain's co-founder, chairman, legal representative, and executive director, Jihan Wu, has decided to dismiss all roles of Kichuan Zhan, effective immediately, quote, it reportedly read. Wu further offered a warning to those who continued to interact with Zhan, quote, any Bitmain staff shall no longer take any direction from Zhan or participate in any meeting organized by Zhan. Bitmain may, based on the situation, consider terminating employment contracts of those who violate this note, end quote. Jean is Bitmain's biggest shareholder with a reported 60% stake. Jean's sudden departure marks the latest chapter in a series of unexpected occurrences at Bitmain. As Cointelegraph reported, Wu himself suddenly abandoned his post as CEO of the company in November of 2018. It's almost a year ago, guys. Instead, taking on a non-executive role on its board. Reacting to the email, private investor uh, investor Dovey Wan described Wu's tone as intense in the original Chinese version. Quote, wow, this is more dramatic than I thought, end quote, she summarized on Twitter. According to Wan, Wu told employees that he intended to take control in order to improve Bitmain's waning share of the Bitcoin mining pie. Well, you shouldn't have screwed up, Wu. Quote, Jihan literally said to his employees, I have come back to save this ship from sinking, she added. Bitcoin's continued strength in 2019 has nonetheless been a boon for Bitmain and other miners. Last week, executives announced they intended to create the world's largest mining facility in Texas. Bitcoin Cash, on the other hand, has failed to produce similar successes. Bitmain is an open supporter of Bcash, with Wu notoriously vocal about his own belief in the coin. Okay. This is a huge train wreck. Bitmain was, at, I mean, okay, there, there are losses that, they're, that he's talking, that Wu is talking about coming back from the dead to save this sinking ship. All of those losses were by things that Wu caused or set in motion. That's why that, and, and, when, and this is reporting that he abandoned his post at CEO. Yeah, well, when we first started hearing about that story, it looked like he was ousted. And I'm still of the opinion that he was probably told to go sit in a corner and he could take a position on the board. Now he's back and he's ousting, he's ousting his partner with that holds 60% of the shares. There's something very wrong with this. 
even in China, even though that Chinese law is different than the United States and, and, you know, the United Kingdom and the European Union, shareholders basically don't get fired when they're holding 60% of the company. I mean, that's like a vote that you kind of have to put up on the board and the shareholders would vote on things like this. And since he holds 60% of the votes, all I can think is this was never put up to a vote. I expect this to become a dumpster fire. It already is a dumpster fire, but I think that there's, you know, I think people are going to start pitching 55-gallon drums of diesel into said dumpster fire. This is going to get ugly quick, and it very well may destroy Bitmain as a company forever. If they can't get their house in order on this one, they're going to die. Now, I've said that before about things, and they haven't died, but this one, I don't know, man. This sounds To me, this sounds very odd that somebody that holds 60% of vote is is going to like that they're just going to quietly walk away? No, it's already being reported in a couple of other stories that his, the uh, uh, Zhang or Zhang or I can't pronounce his last name, the guy that was ousted, um, <clears throat> is saying that he's not going to be that easy about it. Uh, so expect a battle. Expect this to get ugly, and, and also expect some some serious damage to Bitmain going forward. Uh, you might consider not buying that IPO until all this dust settles, if that IPO ever comes to light. Anyway, there's your smoldering dumpster fire pile in the corner over there. Terrible Joke Corner is going to be borderline racist. But it's still pretty damn funny. And it comes from Dad Says Jokes. And if Dad Says Jokes or Dad Says Jokes did not get their entire account banned by this, uh, then I feel fairly safe in, in saying it. And it is actually kind of funny, especially for me, because I grew up in Texas. And you'll understand why that's important in a moment. I've been saying mucho more when talking to my Hispanic friends. It means a lot to them. <laughs> Damn, Dad, that's pretty hardcore. Well, it's actually, it's not all that hardcore. Like I said, I grew up in Texas, man. Why is that important? Dude, we've, we've, been, we've been part of Mexico, and even after Texas won its independence, we've always kind of, Mexico and Texas have this kind of interesting relationship with each other. Um, we actually have a lot more mutual respect for each other than Mexico and the rest of the, well, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, pretty much all the border, all the border town or all the border States have an interesting relationship with Mexico that, that nobody in like, let's say, you know, not nobody, but many people who were born and raised in Minnesota or new state of New York or, you know, Vermont or something like that. They just, they're just, they're not going to understand it. And it's impossible to describe. It's absolutely impossible to describe unless you've lived here for years and or grew up here, uh, which is why I don't mind, don't mind telling that joke. Uh, essentially, what's going on here is that there's always a lot of Hispanic people here. There have always been a lot of Hispanic people here. There will be more Hispanic people here. And throughout all my life, I have heard Spanish spoken in the open almost every single day of my life. 
I can't speak it myself. I got, I tried. I really did. But if you're going to teach somebody a foreign language, man, it's best it's best done as a child. Um, <clears throat> but in, anyway, Dad, you know, go home, man. You're drunk. <laughs> what can I say? All right. So weirdness, as like like I said on Monday, things are getting weird, and the Bitmain news is pretty weird. You're going to want to keep your eyeballs on that one. You're going to want to keep your eyeballs on what's going on in China. You're going to be wanting to keep your eyeballs on what's going on in third world and first world and second world countries that are not putting their best foot forward and or those countries like Argentina and Brazil that pretty much could be considered first world countries that seem to be circling the drain and going the way of Venezuela. It can happen. Venezuela... Uh, And both Venezuela and Argentina used to be extraordinarily wealthy countries before socialism. Well, not before socialism. Before socialism came to, uh, I don't know, crawl into bed with them. Argentina especially was a not, I mean, both countries are still gorgeous, right? Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that the economies and and the the ability to do business there and, and with Argentina and Venezuela, you know, in the 20s and 1920s and 1930s, it's a great place to go, man. Hell, you know, a lot of people that fled Europe, they didn't all go to the United States. A lot of them went to Argentina. A lot of them went to like, oh God, I can't remember like some of the other countries there, but they, there was like, it wasn't just the United States. It wasn't just the extreme West, you know, Western Europe. Uh, they, there was a lot of people that went to Argentina. There's a, there's a huge, huge European community in Argentina. And it used to be that you could do all manner of business there. Brazil, same thing. Venezuela, same thing. And they're all experiencing the the they're they're all touching the event horizon of going and re, and coming and going into a third world uh, crap hole. All of them are touching that event horizon, and if they put their hands too far into that event horizon, the black hole will suck them down the toilet. It's just going to happen unless they can pull their way out of it. And it may be that the only way that these countries can pull their way out of it is not the government putting their best foot forward. Maybe it's the population putting their best foot forward, as we saw in the story with Africa. All, you know, the, the search, the, the Google searches for Bitcoin coming up. That heat map is not going to be generated by the amount of people that are in the gone in government, right? That's not, that's not people like all the workers in the government all hitting Google and searching for Bitcoin at the same time is not going to produce that heat map. That's the population, so when I say that these countries that are not that are countries that should put their best foot forward, I'm not necessarily talking about its regulatory committees, not necessarily talking about government in general. It very well may be that the population has to be the ones to put their best foot forward to turn things around. With that said, I want to I I never do this. I'm always forgetting to do it. It's not because I don't want to do it. It's because I forget. I kind of need y'all's help. This month, this October, is threatening to be below the amount of listens for this podcast as last month. Uh, September, I had my best month in the amount of listens and downloads. This month is kind of coming in right under. And tomorrow is the last day of the month. Um, if you could, 
like, share, subscribe, go to iTunes and check out, uh, check out my page on iTunes, um, and give me a five-star review. I'd really appreciate it and say something if you, if you can, um, you know, I, I know I'm asking for your time. I, I get that. And I value your time. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I, I could use some help on this one. And I, I, I am, it's my fault that I'm not asking every single day. The fact that I'm not asking every single day to like, subscribe, share my podcast, go give me a five-star review is in fact a terrible, terrible breach of what I was taught by a very good friend of mine who listens to this podcast about calls to action. Yes, Bob, I'm talking about you. It's not like I never learned anything from you, you dick. In either event, calls to action, I have been remiss of doing. So I'm going to start trying to do them. And I know that I'm going to get flack about it. Are we? I'm looking at you, buddy. Damn Dieter. In either event, it would be I, your help would be appreciated so that October does not go underneath my September numbers. With that, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.